Canadian officials have been warning for almost a year about Russian cyber attacks. And now we're seeing them. As you know, it's not uncommon uh, for Russian hackers uh, to target countries as they are showing their steadfast support for Ukraine, as they are welcoming uh, Ukrainian uh, delegations or leadership uh, to visit. So the timing isn't surprising. This week, at least two government websites were down the Canadian Senate, and the Prime Minister's office. Russian hackers claimed responsibility. Uh, Russia being able to bring down uh, an official Government of Canada webpage for a few hours is in no way going to dissuade us from our uh, un, uh, unshakable support of Ukraine. Hackers say they've also infiltrated important Canadian infrastructure, something we learned about from leaked documents from the Pentagon. Stephen Chase is The Globe's senior parliamentary reporter. He's here to tell us about these alleged attacks and how they fit into Russia's broader plan to punish Ukraine supporters. I'm Manika Raman-Wilms, and this is The Decibel from The Globe and Mail. Steve, thank you so much for joining me again. Glad to be here. So some Canadian government websites were down this week. Can you just walk us through what happened with these websites? So uh, we're talking about two websites that we know about. We know about the Senate of Canada website, which was down on Monday, on Easter Monday, and the Prime Minister's website, the Prime Minister's office website, which was knocked offline on Tuesday. And in each case, they were offline for, you know, a significant number of hours. The government won't tell us how many because they claim that's secret information. Uh, but they were restored in each case by the end of the day. Hmm. I, I will say that Wednesday morning, I was looking at the PMO website, the prime minister's office, and I couldn't get to it. It said the site was down. So I don't know if this is that's just a blip, but it seemed to be a little bit longer than initially thought anyways. Well, um, I'm not an expert in hacking, but I understand these denial of service attacks that are popular with Russian hackers and are, were, were used in these cases, they basically overwhelm the websites with requests hmm. to load them, to, to sort of access them. And the software and the system just overheats and conks out hmm. and then is inaccessible and has to be reloaded and rebooted and so on by the IT people running it. And this is a pretty common and simple, uh, relatively simple method of attack. So that maybe they're doing more of it. Maybe you are onto more of this uh, persistent hacking that the government says is uh, normally this kind of thing that accompanies uh, Ukrainian officials' visit to another country these days. Hmm. Okay. And of course, that's why this is this seems to be the time to, to target Canada, of course, uh, with the Ukrainian prime minister visiting. And, and we're talking about these websites down, but th this is actually not even the most serious claim about targeting Canada that, that Russian hackers have actually made this week. Can you catch us up, Steve? What else has been going on here? So... There was a series of documents that we're calling the Pentagon documents. There was a series of documents that are purportedly and probably are, in fact, uh, U.S. intelligence memos, briefings, summaries, and so on. The, the way that the Pentagon and the U.S. government is responding, these are being taken very seriously. So it suggests that, in fact, there is truth in here. They were leaked in late February and early March 
on a chat platform popular with gamers called Discord. Mm -hmm. And then they've been making their way uh, out into the wider world since. And we're talking about um, dozens and dozens of photographs of what are purportedly intelligence documents from organizations like the National Security Agency in the United States, which is an intelligence agency affiliated with the Department of Defense. And Mm -hmm. so um, these documents uh, paint a picture of what the U.S. has been collecting in intelligence collection over the last few months. But I would say there's a massive caveat on this because uh, it's clear that some of the documents have been altered to deliver false information. In fact, one slide or a number of slides show that or purport to show Russian uh, casualties in the war, and the casualties are absurdly low. Hmm. And, and there seems to be a consensus that somebody has doctored the slides to make it appear like the United States has information that Russia is far less affected by this war than everybody would believe. And that's what has made the public's assessment, the media's assessment of this more difficult, is there is a mixture of what appears to be true information and false information. Okay, so there's a, there's a lot in here to unpack. So let's let's talk through some of these things. First of all, you said these were Pentagon documents. So this is U.S. security. Uh, is it a broad ranging, or are they kind of focused on something specific here? Yeah, the theme of the documents tends to be things related to Russia's war on Ukraine. That is the unifying theme in all these documents, and that also is another reason why uh, U.S. intelligence experts believe this is part of a Russian. Uh, disinformation effort to sort of undermine uh, relations between allies who are in the West and and elsewhere who are working to help Ukraine uh, beat back Russia. And you said these are photographs of documents, Steve. Have you seen these photos? What what do they look like? Well, I've seen them and they're not always photographed in the best light, but the documents uh, I'm thinking of in particular here are uh, yellow um, with black ink And uh, before they were photographed, they were folded up, so there are creases on them in some places. And they are very Mm -hmm. tightly written reporting on events that are purportedly collected by uh, signals intelligence, which by that I mean electronic eavesdropping, interception of phone calls, and so on, and from from bugs. Mm -hmm. Okay. So let's talk about what these documents actually say about Canada. What did you see? Sure. There's a couple of uh, references to Canada in there, and it is purportedly uh, signals intelligence that has picked up conversations between Russian-aligned hacking groups, that is, groups that are friendly to the Kremlin, and the and Russia's Federal Security Service, which we also know by the acronym FSB. And uh, in these conversations, a Russian hacking group at one point identified as Zarya, claims to have gained access to a, a Canadian natural gas pipeline company, uh, which, which, of course, distributes natural gas to Canadian customers. The documents also say that the Russian hackers claim to have actually compromised this uh, nat- a natural gas firm and caused damage. And when we talk about damage, what they mean is they, they did things that resulted in a loss of income or profit for the company. And so what specifically did the hackers say they could do? What capabilities had they had they gained? They alleged, they shared screenshots with the FSB, with the Russian spy agency, that claimed that they could 
increase the pressure on natural gas lines, which is a dangerous thing, that they could disable alarms that might warn of trouble on the lines, mm -hmm. and that they could initiate an emergency shutdown, which would result in an explosion at a gas distribution station. That's pretty, those, those sound like pretty big things, if those are true, pretty important things. Yes, and uh, the kind of thing that would uh, obviously make a, a gas executive's blood run cold. Uh, do, you said a natural gas company, Steve. Do we know what company it is? We don't. It's not identified in there. And we have been talking to the Canadian Gas Association, which, which represents distributors, and they don't know who it might be either. Okay. Okay, so this Russian hacking group claims to have targeted this Canadian company. Uh, have they actually done anything to this company? Like, according to these documents, they, they, they say they have access, but they, have they done anything? They claim to have taken steps that are not really laid out, but that they claim would cause a loss of income for the company. So hmm. it's, it's vague, but they claim that they did cause some kind of economic damage. I should say it's not clear that Canadian companies are under obligation to report these things in Canada. So, um, you know, I, I'm not going to, I'm not alleging anything, but it's possible that a company might not want to reveal this to people. Interesting. So, so the public, the Canadian public might not necessarily know if something like this has actually happened to the Canadian company because they might, they might not want to disclose it then. Yeah. And um, organizations like the Communication Security Establishment are under no obligation to tell us. And in fact, they are very clear with us that they're not going to confirm or deny what's going on. This organization is one of the entities in Canada that's charged with protecting not only government infrastructure, but helping uh, private companies protect their infrastructure as well from cyber attacks. Hmm. Okay. Steve, I mean, this is a this is a pretty big claim here, but I wonder, like, how do we know if it's actually true or not? I guess the way to find out if it was true or not would be for a company to step forward and identify it or all companies to report back to the Canadian Gas Association and say they're all fine. We're not really being brought into that process. I'm not sure it's they're going to do this publicly. So it may be a bit of a uh, open question for, for, for a while. The Prime Minister, however, tried to address it on Tuesday, but he sort of addressed it in a limited manner all he would say is that I can confirm that there was no physical damage uh, to any uh, Canadian energy infrastructure following cyber attacks. And he left it at that and we couldn't get any more out of him. But mm. uh, the, as national security experts have pointed out uh, subsequently, that is a very qualified statement and doesn't take into account actions that might not have left lasting physical damage, but might, might have still cost a company economically. Yeah, that's a very precise statement there that you often hear politicians walking these fine lines, right? No physical damage could leave the door open to perhaps there was, you know, economic damage or something like that. And the this type of scenario where Russian hackers target our infrastructure um, is the kind of scenario that organizations like the Communications Security Establishment have been warning about ever since the 2022 military assault on Ukraine uh, began, because... Um, the scenario that they sketched out is, is as we pile more and more sanctions on Russian companies and Russian individuals, that it would increase the incentive for hacking groups to to target Canada and other allies as sort of payback, hmm. uh, and also to demonstrate what happens when you uh, when you run afoul of the Kremlin. We'll be back in a moment.
I want to maybe just focus on that point for another moment then, Steve. There have been warnings of this kind of hacking. Is it is it as bad as we thought it would be? Is this kind of what we expected? Well, we haven't actually seen a lot of examples of, of or at least there's, there's little public evidence of Russian hacking or re- retribution hacking effectively since the uh, since the Ukraine war began. Um, aside from, you know, websites being taken down like this, we're not, the public has not really been apprised of any other actions. And, you know, I would say, and most journalists would agree with me, that Canada is a relatively secretive country when it comes to security issues. Other countries are far more um, uh, transparent. But to date, there's not a lot of evidence that Russians have been successful at uh, at getting back at us for um, all our aid and assistance to Ukraine. Okay. Steve, why would Russia or, or Russian hackers be interested in targeting a Canadian oil company? Like, what's the goal there? Well, I think that the Russian government's, one of their overriding objectives has been to undermine uh, Western support for Ukraine. The goal of Russian disinformation, the goal of Russian dialogue with the West since has been to try to break that bond, to try to undermine trust between allies, also to make it to scare mm-hmm. off allies from assisting. So if they can show that um, Canada, which otherwise lives sort of in splendid isolation here in North America, surrounded by three oceans and living in the U.S. defense shadow, if they can show that Canadians will be vulnerable as a result of their support for Ukraine, that in the in Moscow's mind would be a way to chip away to would be a way to undermine Canadian support for Ukraine. Okay, so so that's kind of the reason why potentially they would hit something like a Canadian oil company. I guess I wonder what kind of message would it said send to to other Canadian companies. I think one of the messages should be that you should have the best cyber protection possible for your websites and for your your for your equipment. So that would certainly be uh, top of mind. But also, you know, if you can undermine corporate support for the war, if you can make it seem like there are consequences to Canada supporting the war, you can undermine support in the business community as well, which uh, obviously employs a lot of Canadians and which the government uh, hears from on a regular basis. I, I guess I wonder too, what if what if all of this is, is is not true, that these hackers didn't actually compromise a Canadian company? Because as you said, there's it's a little bit murky here, but we don't actually have public kind of acknowledgement that this happened right now. Uh, but so why would they claim that they had? Like what would be in it for Russia to do that? Yeah, there's a couple of reasons why. I think um, it, it may be that the Russian hacking group receives funding from the from the Russian government and wanted to demonstrate to its funders that they are uh, they are actually making progress, they are making headway mm. in order to keep support flowing. It also might be uh, to plant the seed of this uh, to plant the seed of doubt in Canadians' minds about whether they truly are uh, isolated and apart from this conflict to make it seem like the war is a lot closer. Make us feel unsafe essentially then. Yeah, make us feel unsafe. Mm. Uh, we've also heard a lot about disinformation. So I wonder more broadly, what kind of disinformation have we seen in Canada from Russia during this war? Well, there was a report out uh, just a, a few weeks ago from um, three organizations that worked together, University of Regina, University of Maryland, and, uh, and a, a Toronto NGO, about just how much work Russian-aligned or Kremlin pro-Kremlin accounts on Twitter have been doing to sort of spread uh, doubt and 
to spread um, Russian uh, talking points uh, to Canadians. It identified about 90 core Twitter accounts that were uh, steadily pumping out uh, pro-Kremlin messages on the war about how this is really just something that it was started by NATO, uh, about how the Ukraine is full of fascists and so on. Mm. And uh, it showed that uh, as many as 200,000 accounts in North America and Canada in particular had retweeted these, um, these messages, these, these, tw- these tweets, and had really helped amplify it. So there's this been this massive campaign. Do we know do we know how effective that campaign online has been? Well, we can look at polling of Canadians and see that that a significant number of Canadians are buying into the idea that NATO had something to do with this war, which of course is false. Uh, the, there was a fall 2022 poll by Nanos for uh, Digital Public Square, which is one of the three authors of the study, that found that 36% of respondents either believed that the North Atlantic Treaty Organization, NATO, was responsible for the war in Ukraine or were unsure as to whether it was responsible. So that's a significant number of Canadians buying into or having their confidence in what happened undermined by Kremlin messaging. Uh, Because, of course, NATO had nothing to do with this war. It was Russia that invaded Ukraine. Yeah. Just just before I let you go here, Steve, so we, we've talked about everything that we've seen up until this point. I wonder, do you anticipate that we're going to see more instances of Russian hacking in Canada going forward? Is this something that, that experts are watching for? Yes. Um, we are going to be uh, a major target for Russian hacking uh, as long as there's a war in Ukraine because Russia is adamant that it will try to uh, undermine allies support for Ukraine and discourage allies from supporting Ukraine. Steve, thank you so much for taking the time to be here today. You're welcome. That's it for today. I'm Manika Raman-Wilms. Our producers are Madeline White, Cheryl Sutherland, and Rachel Levy-McLaughlin. David Crosby edits the show. Adrian Chung is our senior producer, and Angela Pacenza is our executive editor. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll talk to you tomorrow.